quintessential podcast welcomes in John Tillman, head coach of the Maryland Terps, 18-0, 2022 national champs. Coach, congratulations. Uh, unbelievable season. Uh, dramatic ending. And I want to start with the ending. Uh, there was a point in that fourth quarter where it became apparent to the viewers, to us, probably to you, that, that your team was kind of hitting the wall, that you were fatigued. Uh, what was going through your mind and, and how did you uh, avoid becoming unraveled? Yeah, um, listen, you nailed it. Um, we all saw it. And, uh, um, it. You could tell our guys were gassed. Um, and I, I knew that game was going to be a challenge regardless. Um, you know, obviously it's a long year, but you look at the last week we had, and, and, and it was eerily similar to last year. That week started out in Columbus against the two-time defending national champions and one of the best teams in the country on Sunday. Um, and that was a game that was very grueling. It was a battle up and down. Um, but then we got in the bus and we bus back. And I know we, we had a little bus trouble coming back. I didn't get to sleep till 5 a.m. Um, I think we pulled into College Park at about 3 a.m. And that started the week. Um, we gave Monday off in terms of practicing and we had to be super careful of what we did. And then we practiced at 7.30 on Thursday morning to avoid getting caught in the, the Memorial Day traffic like we did last year. So we left at 9.30 to get around New York. Um, and then that game on Saturday, the delay getting done so late, um, a battle there where you know, some self-inflicted wounds and um, some penalties where we just played so much defense, Roman getting hurt, um, that, and then we didn't get back to the hotel. Most of the guys got back somewhere 10 o'clock-ish, and then some guys got drug tested by the NCA, which is standard procedure. Um, they didn't get back till like 11, so we just fed them and told them to get to bed, but we knew uh, we had a tired group, and, and our strength coach said the three games that we had the highest metrics on for the whole year were Notre Dame one, Princeton two, and Cornell three. So after the first shift with Bubba, I saw on, on Monday, you could tell like he was a little gassed from the first, uh, first time he went out there. I was like, okay, this is going to be tricky. We're going to have to be really smart about game management today. First hot day. And again, kudos to Cornell, great opponent. And same thing with Princeton. Like that was a tough 36 hours there. Yeah, your success, your, your, your resounding success during the season almost comes back to bite you there when you're, when you're thrown in a close game. And you mentioned the inequities, the une, uneven playing field. Cornell had that three and a half hour delay in their game. It's like running half a marathon, taking a two hour break and then finishing it up. Of course, you're going to feel pretty good at the, at the end of the race where you guys uh, – we're, we're up against it that way. Well, what, what have you learned? You've, you've coached in now, what, seven title games. What, what have you learned, uh, you know, uh, that maybe can help other coaches or other players when, when they're in a championship environment? Well, that, that, that time you get between the two games critical, you know, you got to maximize that time and it's not a lot of time. Um, so hydration, nutrition, rest, um, you got to balance that with, you know, what do the kids need to know? Because um, you, you can only give them so much um, and you don't want to fry their heads on, on, on Sunday, but you do have to prepare. You got to understand kind of the knowns. What are the most important things, patterns, personnel? 
um, but also stay true to who you are. Um, but that time is, is like gold. That's why, you know, obviously playing the first game's great. Um, even if you lose your home earlier. So that's kind of a nice thing. Uh, but you know, having that extra time, getting the guys, you know, back to the hotel, get them rested. And, and it, it was what it was, right. All four teams had to deal with the weather. Um, you know, some things you can't control, uh, but boy, getting back late, it, we kind of made the decision, just get them to bed. Don't worry about show them video. Don't worry about the scouting report. They just need to rest and relax. So I think balancing all that kind of knowing your players. Um, and we have uh, probably our MVP for the weekend was Anthony Benyarko, our, our athletic trainer. Uh, tremendous. Uh, we had so many guys get dinged up or cramp. Um, he was amazing. Uh, what he did during the games. Um, obviously you look at Roman situation, uh, I'd never had a guy go into a game and not really be able to fully pass and catch. Um, yet we put him out there and we kind of worked around him. Um, and some of those clearing situations, it's hard to have a clear when you can't throw it to one guy. Um, but he, he was able to cover, but he wasn't able to really maneuver stick well. So that was just part of the challenge we had to go with, which, which makes for fun conversations maybe 20 years from now. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. What stands out to me, obviously, 18 and 0, it's never been done. Uh, you guys flashed some, what I thought was uncommon brilliance in February, the way you were scoring goals and, and, and moving the ball. Uh, March, you had that showdown with Virginia and you dominated. Uh, April was really about the Big Ten schedule and, and you cruised. And then, and then at the end of the day, the defense takes you through the NCAA tournament. Your, your defense was unbelievable, less than eight goals a game. But the, but the focus, coach, uh, in this era, social media, a lot of distractions. Uh, selfishness of, of, of young, young uh, student athletes. H how do you describe the focus of this team and their ability to play at a consistently high level every single week? Yeah, I think a lot of that goes to the leadership of the group. Um, you know, we have a veteran crew, but we have a veteran crew that is very focused, mature, dialed in. Um, and I think last year, just, you know, the way that ended, those guys were just they were laser focused. Um, when you have guys like Roma Puglisi and Brett Maycar and Bubba Fairman and Matt Rahill and Jay Higgins, like those guys, you know, they, a lot of them came back and they came back because they wanted an extra year. A lot of them parlayed that into a, an extra degree that will help them for a long time, um, which is great. But, you know, they, they, they didn't want to leave the way that maybe, you know, things ended the year before. Um, and they love College Park. I mean, we, we had our last meeting yesterday. Um, and even though we won, it was sad because it's over um, and you're spending so much time with these guys. Um, it's sad to say goodbye. Like, you know, we're on top of each other from last Thursday to Monday night. And uh, it's 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 time time that's gold. It's just so much fun to be around those guys. We love those guys so much. They love each other. Um, and now we're not going to be together. So super hard, but I, I think those guys were focused. And then we always tried to counter the narrative um, in ways that were not condescending or insulting, but we would point out, you know, teams that maybe fell short, like that Patriots team and everybody was crowning them and they didn't finish it. Uh, we had some fun with it, with the rat poison. And uh, um, I just basically uh, threw that away. Um, so, but constant reminders and, and Jesse put in their lockers a picture of last year's score 
um, in the championship. And that was in each guy's locker. So Trez trying to balance it. You know, if, if we had lost a couple games, I would have been trying to pick them up. Um, so I think finding that sweet spot's important, but it all, it's all credit to the guys in the leadership. How do you handle their place in history? This team's place in history. You played with Gary and Paul, Tommy Marichek off that 90 Syracuse team. You watched Virginia in 06 closely. How do you frame where this team should sit? You're the best best team in school history, without a doubt. Uh, and, and in my estimation, a top five team of all time. What are your thoughts? Um, I think it's hard. Um, you nailed it. Like, those teams were unbelievable. All-time great teams. I think, you know, it's always hard to compare. Um, but I think it's even harder to compare in our sport because of the changes. The game's different now. The shot clock right? Like the game is played very differently. Um, so it's not an apples to apples comparison, just the way things are done now are differently. Think about COVID and the fifth years and things like that. So, you know, it's, they're, they're really not the same. Um, just to be in that conversation is incredibly humbling. Um, not anything that I think any of us ever expected. Um, you know, looking at just even my time here, you know, we've usually had two, three, four, five loss seasons, and we play such a tough schedule. It's typically inevitable that the other team's just going to outplay you, out-execute, be better. You're not going to be great. We're going to have a bad quarter. We just just assume that, you know, like we hope not, but it, the odds are like that's going to happen. But this year, like the guys did such a good job of windshield mentality, kind of the Dabo Swinney, you know, saying that we adopted, but once we were done on Saturday, we gave them till Monday and then they reset things. And again, it all goes back to that leadership. Those guys just turned the page and were like, all right, what's next? What's next? And that was huge for us. And I started hearing all that talk towards the end. And so we got a little nervous. Like we just need to make sure we keep those guys in the middle and they hear the other side of it without, again, talking down to them or insulting them, just reminding them like, if we don't finish this thing, like the narrative changes drastically. So just have fun, enjoy it. Let's keep prepping, focus on us and let's enjoy our time together, work hard, have fun, but let's keep getting better. Great organizations, great teams are about people. Uh, and I, I want to talk about some of your people. I want to start in the goal, Logan McNaney, who, you know, didn't get much attention during the regular season. I remember watching week one and we were maybe exchanging texts how he didn't think he was moving his feet well and he, and but he, he picked it up along the way. And then end of the day, he was, he was the savior. He was, uh, he was super solid. I thought the first goal he let up was a little soft and it, I, I was worried there for a second because I remember last year in the title game, it might not have been the, a game up to, up to his a standard, but man, the next save he made, you could tell he was on, uh, he was terrific with the ball out of the net coach. What, what, how do you best describe Logan as, as a young man and his mental game? Um, you know, his disposition is so healthy for an athlete, and especially, as you know, a goalie, um, because you have this, if you're great, you're going to have high standards, and you're going to have some perfectionist qualities, but the ability to move on, forgive yourself, and move forward is really hard, because if you have high standards and you come up short, there's disappointment, and to reset as quickly as he resets and just kind of move on and is, is just even keel Ness um, is huge. And it's huge for our defense. Cause you know, it is like most of the communication you're giving your teammates is nonverbal. It's your body language. 
Um, and much like a quarterback, when he goes into the huddle, if he throws two picks and then he goes back in, the, the linemen and receivers are going to know, okay, is this guy still confident or not? And it's hard to, to fake that. It's the same thing after a goal goes in, everybody's looking at each other. And Logan's disposition is always like so neutral or positive and upbeat and he moves on, yet he wants to save every ball. And, and just the ability to do that, I think is, is, is really undervalued um, unless you play that position because you never want a ball to go in. You want to save every one, but you're not going to. So you can't just like not care because uh, you're not going to be better enough and you can't freak out because everybody's going to start wondering, oh my God, is he okay? Now we're going to play defense differently because we can't give up any shots. So he's incredible that way. His hands are terrific. His ability to navigate pressure, um, his anticipation instincts are really good. And they all have to be because listen, he's giving up a lot of size relative to most goalies. And that's probably what I'm most impressed with in terms of the technical part. They're like, when the guys that have low angle shots, most goalies cover everything. And Logan's not always able to do that. Um, and, but we wouldn't trade him for anybody, but he's still got to save some of those where other guys can just stand, be big. He's still got to make sure he reacts to the ball because he's just not big enough to save that. And that's not a cop. Um, that's not like a, a criticism of him it's just the reality of it so anytime he moves in the goal his footwork has to be very good because if he's not positioned the right way he's going to show a lot more gold I thought Matt Rahill played a, an outstanding game in the NCAA final covering John Piatelli uh, when I look at Ajax Zapatella and Brett Maycar I always thought the team should attack Rahill uh, I was wrong uh, he was outstanding in that game Meanwhile, Zapatello emerged as maybe the number, the best number two cover guy in, in, the, in the nation, a real breakout season for him. But my question is about Brett Maycar. Uh, you unlocked a leadership component in him this year. Uh, how did you do that? I think it started last year um, during COVID. You know, we had some veteran guys like Bubba and Roman and Logan and Jared, um, and they had been around for a while. And just last year during COVID, Brett kind of emerged to kind of be a fresh new voice, which I think helped those guys. Uh, COVID was really hard, just navigating the daily things that you had to do um, along with practice. But Brett, all of a sudden, just kind of took charge and everybody was like, keep going, like be, be the guy, we're good. He became that voice in the huddle. So towards the end of last year, we saw what we saw this year almost every single day. Um, I, I've been doing this a long time and, and we have so many amazing players in our program and always have. He is a special guy. Um, all our guys are special, but there's something about Brett Maycar that there's an it factor that he has that anybody that knows him, like it just resonates. You, you don't need to talk to him very long and you realize he is a, just a high character guy. He's got tremendous work ethic. Um, he'll always practice what he preaches. He's consistent. He's in the moment. He's caring about people that, that video of him climbing into the crowd to find his dad and put his Jersey on his dad. Um, I, I, I just was in tears. I mean, that's who Brett Maycar is when we're on the road and I go down for breakfast, I go down a little early. Uh, it's it's money in the bank that Brett's down there talking to his family. The kids say that he calls his dad every single day at 6 a.m. on the dot. Um, that's just who Brett Maycar is. And 
he's a guy that he'll move people around. Like he'll get people to just be better than maybe they thought they can be to do more. He's a tremendous leader and human being. Follow the great shorties, the championship weekend. And you, you had a foursome that uh, was the best in the country. No doubt. Jake Higgins is, is solid as a rock. Bubba, I thought, played his best ball of his career during championship week. Roman showed his heart. You know, he's out there with, with one arm. And then Alex Smith uh, on Monday, I thought he had the best game of his career dealing with Hugh Kelleher's down, downhill dodges. He, he bumped him to the side. I thought Alex played a strong game. As a group overall, what, what, what are your thoughts about this the veteran uh, group and, and their contributions? Um, those guys made our life a lot easier. Um, and, and I think Coach Bernhardt, Coach Kennedy do a great job with those guys. Um, but those guys, it, it's funny when you look at those four, a year ago, we look at this group and we're like coming back into 22 in the fall or the anticipation was this is going to be a strength. All four guys are back. And then, you know, I get a call from Alex during the summer and Alex on his birthday tears his ACL July 1st. And those are the worst calls. You could hear it in his voice. You're, you're gutted for him, you know? And, and so, you know, we're like, all right, well, we lost him. And then we lose Josh Kaufman in the fall. So 50% of our short six from last year are gone and it's November. Um, we haven't gotten to the season. So Bubba's selflessness just to kind of say, Hey, I'll go help. Um, obviously he got better and better as the year went on. And then we get Alex back and then Alex played himself into shape. Um, those guys played their best when we when their best was needed, and it says a lot about them. But those guys, um, good on the ball, good off the ball, good in the clearing game, prideful, always doing extra work. All four of those guys, every day after practice, they're doing like approach drills. They're doing technique drills, running the rail behind the goal, and they do it on their own. Like we don't have to ask them. They just do it, and it's a credit to them. Uh, they're a tight group. They love each other. They spend a lot of time together. Uh, but man, kind of the heart and soul of our team, those guys. Anthony DeMeo was a link to the 2017 championship. He was uh, redshirted that year. Uh, what is he, 25, 26 years old, San Diego, uh, clutch. I mean, I, when I think of DeMeo, I think of clutch. You know, he, he always shows up when, when the money's on the table. Uh, he's done now. Uh, what, 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 are your, what are your memories and what, what are Anthony's contributions? You know, Anthony, I give a lot of credit to in, in our championship run in 2017, probably the unsung hero was Anthony DeMeo. You know, he was a redshirt guy on that team. And so in the redshirt, we just put him on the scout team and he was awesome. He drove Tim Muller nuts. Like he was, you know, just every time we played somebody, he was the lefty. And man, oh man, like he would just get into Timmy Muller's body and he juke and he got so much better, but our defense got so much better and he just brought it. He didn't play on Saturdays, but it didn't matter. He was terrific. And so I think of, you know, what he did there to help us. And then it comes full circle. I mean, what a great May he had. I mean, he was on fire down the stretch. Um, to your point, started off so strong against Virginia, started off so strong on Monday, um, clutch, um, but so locked in. And without him coming back, which to be honest with you, in early January, I'm not sure he was coming back. Uh, he's probably leaning against it. And, um, you know, I think he talked to some of his teammates and, and um, decided to come back. But we don't win this championship without him, no doubt. Is Kyle, Kyle Long I have listed as a senior, but he's got a COVID year? Yep, he'll be back. Oh, great. 
he, uh, when we spoke on Sunday, you told me he was sitting on a big game and I, I think he could see his high school hoops point guard background, the way when he was going down that right alley and they were pressing out at X, he was looking to the back post and the backside. And, and that ability was, uh, was spectacular. You know, the, the, those looks aren't easy looks, uh, over, over his left, left shoulder. Uh, so he'll become a, a major catalyst for you next year, I would guess. Without a doubt. I, I thought, you know, he and Anthony were so big for us all year. Um, and to, to have a new guy jump in like John Donville um, and to the three of those guys to play so well together um, and for those guys to welcome him says a lot about those guys and their selflessness. Um, and, you know, it, it was funny each game, we weren't sure who was getting the pole. Um, so they kind of had to figure that out. And sometimes during the game, even on Monday, the guys were like, I think they may be changing up the poll. Um, and, and Cornell's not a team that gets too caught up in, in, in who gets polled and matchups. They're going to do what they do. But it was funny just hearing them talk about it. But uh, those three guys, what they did for us, um, not only on offense, but defense, um, getting back all year and helping with transition. And even our other offensive guys, you know, how many times did Wisnowskis go back on defense on Monday uh, just to take away breaks and things like that? Um, just a credit to those guys. Not only were they scoring, but they were actually, even when we weren't having success scoring on Monday, they were getting back and trying to get them to six on six. Wisnowskis should take the Twarton trophy. Uh, his, his steady approach, you know, he's a man of few words. But, but he plays his guts out, and he always seemed to have answers. He always seems to have a wrinkle. Every time you think you can paint him into a corner, uh, you see a different skill. You, you see whether it's a dodging, whether it's off ball, whether it's a passing skill. Uh, how do you best describe his trajectory, John? Yeah, it's funny. When we got him, uh, we kind of joked the, the, when he decided to come, um, we did some sprints, um, you know, coming back and some conditioning tests. And he had a virus and he did not move very well. And I remember reaching out to Brian Farrell. And I was like, man, Logan is not very fast, is he? And, uh, you know, we jokingly, we joke about it now, but we found out he had a virus and it made a lot of sense. Um, I think Logan's diverse skill set and his intelligence um, are, were so big for us because really during those, those years with him, he could like adjust to the guys on the field and do what we needed to be to make the group better. So if he needed to dodge, he would do that. If he needed to play off ball, he would do that. Um, if we were in zone, he got us organized. Um, if he needed to be more of a feeder, he would be. If you wanted him to finish, he would shoot five shots and all five would have different release points and different locations. And, but they all had a good chance of going in. And to me, it was a lot like Lusby was in 2012. Every time he shot, you thought the ball was going to go in. Um, and it was never the same. And he had that ability just to keep guys guessing. And he doesn't have the hardest shot. But, man, his ball just finds the back of the net. Like, he's a true scorer. Um, but, again, if we needed him to feed, he'd feed. If he needed to be a leader or a good picker, he'd do that to make the other guys better. And that's where I think in the PLL, he'll be valuable because you roll anybody out there, he'll play off them and he'll kind of get a sense of what that offense needs in the moment instead of going, I do this and this is all I do. You look like you've gotten some rest since I last saw you. Uh, weaned yourself off of coffee. Uh, what, what, what's, what's next? I'm sure there's not a pause here between recruiting and the transfer portal. Uh, how, how do you approach the month of June? 
Um, yeah, you know, last night, uh, or really we had that team meeting yesterday, which is sad um, because the journey's over and uh, it is sad. It, it's, a, it's a celebration, obviously, because of what those guys did. Yeah, tell, I'll but, tell you one thing, Tills. It, it, it is because I, I look back to, to winning a championship and you're never all together again. Whether you try, it's just not going to happen. The bonds are forever, though with a team that wins it and they're stronger than a team that comes up short. I don't know why that's just the way it works. So, you know, that it is sad. You'll get 85, 90, 95% guys back for certain events, but to be together as a whole is it's unlikely. And it's just a shame. And that's what we wanted to reiterate to them after the game is listen, we only have so much time left. So go, go back, enjoy this time with each other. Um, I think a lot of our guys were gassed after that game um, and a number of the PLL guys reached out about our kids going up. And honestly, it, our kids were so gassed, even at halftime, like we were running low on steam. Um, you know, guys were cramping, uh, guys could barely run. Rahel said he was close to blacking out during that game. So the, the last three days have been phenomenal. Those guys have spent so much time together. Um, after our meeting, um, I went down to um, Bentley's and um, was hanging out with the guys that are graduating. Um, and we FaceTimed SVP. Uh, so it was fun because he's been great. He's been supporting us. And we had some fun with it. Um, I'm not a guy that goes down there a whole lot because that's where they are. But uh, that's what they wanted to do. And I just wanted to obviously thank them for all they did. And then I went to the Torton dinner um, with Logan's family uh, last night. And that was terrific. Uh, great celebration uh, of, the, of the sport. And then, then our team, most of the team's going to go tonight to support Logan, which is going to be fantastic. And then tomorrow I'll get in the car and I'll drive up to Ithaca for the memorial services for Coach Moran uh, Friday and Saturday, which will obviously be very difficult um, in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, a celebration of a guy who impacted so many of us in so many ways um, that, that I, util, I utilize things he says and do things he does on a daily basis. But it's a celebration of all these people that he brought together. Um, and I certainly was not a great player. Um, and I never claimed to be, but I always felt valued. Um, I was important for the team. He made you feel that way. And, and I have so many great relationships because of that experience. And that's uh, going to be hard. But in other ways, it's a, a way to tip your cap and thank, you know, Coach Moran for bringing us together to develop, developing us into men um, and helping us like kind of have a sense of what we needed to do to be successful in the real world. Um, and he was tough on us, but he loved us and he held us to a high standard um, and he wasn't going to let us settle. And at the time he didn't really understand that. Um, but now you do. And that's something that helps me with our guys because we do hold them high standards, not because uh, we don't love them. It's because we do love them. And, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be their best buddies. We're supposed to help them get ready for the real world um, and, and if you're going to have struggles and challenges, do them in college where you have all those teammates, you have your family, you have the coaching staff and the support staff. And that's a great time to kind of learn how to navigate challenges and adversity. And when you go out in the real world, you have a little bit of a, all right, I can autocorrect, self-correct. Um, you know, I can figure things out without everybody having like to be here. I, I, I can navigate. And that those are skills that kids need to be able to learn. And you only learn that if you go through some tough times. Tills, you told us during the season when we had a Zoom call that you're not a trophy guy. But next time I see you, I expect to see two trophies behind your uh, your, your, your backdrop in your Zoom. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> so happy so happy for you. You did, did a, a phenomenal, phenomenal job this season, you and your staff. And uh, you guys deserve all the credit. 
that's coming your way. No, I appreciate it. We, you know, we had such a great group of kids, so selfless. Our staff was incredible. Uh, support staff, uh, you know, it was awesome to have President Pines there, the president of the university there, uh, Damon Evans, our entire staff. We had so many people there that helped us along the ride. And our families and the crowd, um, unbelievable. Um, it was 20 minutes before that game, and they were going nuts while we were warming up. And I'm thinking to myself, how are they going to keep this up? And they did. So to be at a place where lacrosse is so important, um, but to do it in a way where people could be proud, we just learned we're going to have the top male GPA um, of any sport on campus. Uh, we beat golf for the first time, I think, or second time maybe. Um, and so to me, the guys are doing it, be the best, like the way Bud Beardmore would have wanted, you know, be the best person, student and player you can be. It wasn't just about winning the championship. It was living up to be the best, which isn't easy and it's not for everybody. But I do think when you go out in the real world, you're so used to not settling and living up to a standard. I do think it serves you well. Um, sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes you get frustrated with me, but isn't that what we're supposed to do for these guys? Help them get ready and kick butt after they graduate. Like, so again, they'll have their fun. And, and, and you and I talked about it. The locker room situation was huge for us this year. Um, just having a place where the kids could hang out and spend time together and laugh. And last year we didn't have that. I think that was something that was really important for us this year. Maryland 2022, 18 and 0, be the best. We beat golf. <laughs> We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. The OC Lax Open, presented by SmartLink, is a three-day men's and women's lacrosse tournament in Ocean City, Maryland, where players will compete for $30,000 in cash prizes. Join us on June 24th through the 26th and compete in one of three divisions, men's open, women's open, and men's over 35. The championship team from each division receives a $10,000 cash prize. Register today at oclaxopen.com summer of 2022 big news the pll is coming to espn 47 games on e plus three on abc three on espn six on espn two and we're broadcasting to over 170 countries the action starts on saturday from albany we've got a double header 2.15 Eastern time on E+, the Whip Snakes and Chaos. Those are the, th the two teams who have won the three championships. The Whips winning the first two, Chaos winning last year, followed by 5 o'clock on ESPN, the Redwoods and the Atlas. I'm working on my boards right now. Excited to see the Redwoods. Nakai Montgomery, rookie from Duke, is going to dress their midfield along with Miles Jones, who's 29 now at 6'5", 260. Sergio Perkovic from Notre Dame, who's 6'4", 225 and can shoot the twos. Jules Hennenberg will probably flip-flop some between attack and midfield. And down low, you got uh, Matt Cavanaugh, Ryder Garnsey, the duo, the Fighting Irish, and then Rob Pinnell, the KG vet, who now has over 500 points as a pro. The Redwoods are stacked. I think in this game, it's going to be fun to watch the face-offs. TD Erlin of the Redwoods going head-to-head -head with Trevor Baptiste of the Atlas. Uh, Baptiste last season was uh, on fire, 65% facing off i think it's interesting to note the atlas are going to dress some rookies in this game it's always interesting covering pro lacrosse for 12 years and how the rookies assimilate uh, they they can they can burst onto the scene pretty quick they come in uh sharp and in shape so i'll be interested to keep my eye on chris gray 
who's going to be starting at attack with Eric Law and Jeff Teat and Dan Bocaro. And then uh, Brendan Curry, who should get some shifts at the midfield with guys like Doc Aiken and Brian Costabile. The Whipsnakes game will be most fascinating because the chaos have some players who are involved with the, uh, the NLL, the indoor final. Uh, and so I rate the Whipsnakes as, as a pretty strong favorite in that game. Uh, their Maryland flavor will be strong as it always has been with Matt Rambo, Jay Carlson, Mike Chaninchuk, Timmy Moeller, Michael Earhart, and Kyle Bernlor. What, what I love about the pro game, having covered it, as I said, for 12 years, is there's always a wow factor. You go out to a game and you see a player who's been playing now, who's 25, 26 year old, and there's a play, an individual effort or a sequence that is just so amazing. Uh, that that's something that we don't see covering the college game. I, I was talking to a niche who's going to be calling these games on Saturday, along with Ryan Boyle, Paul Carcaterra, and myself. I'll be down on the field. It's, it's a different galaxy. Uh, bigger, stronger, faster, better athletes who've been honing their craft for five and six years. Uh, and the fans will really benefit. I hope you can watch this weekend. On Sunday, Chris Cotter, Ryan Boyle, and Katie George will have a doubleheader as well. Uh, and then we'll come come back at you uh, the following week from Charlotte. Uh, I'll be on the scene on Long Island later in the month and then calling all the games from Baltimore. So it's a, it's a ton of lacrosse content on the ESPN family and networks. I hope you have the app because you can watch uh, many, many of these games will be on the app. Plus, obviously, the exposure on ABC and ESPN is huge for the game. So uh, look forward to seeing you. Get to a game. Consume the product. I think you'll love it.